Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we have a very special episode for you today, as you can see by my uh, not-so-usual intro. Um, I have two guest co-hosts with me today from a not-so-obscure, way-better podcast from our own, uh, the one and only Sword Chomp. And we are going to discuss some politics and some games and politics in games. Today's episode is not going to run like our usual episode, but will be entirely focused on the topic at hand. So with all of that said, let's introduce our very special guests. Here today with me from Japan is the one and only Professor Shay, down with the ESRB, Layton. And from, <laughs> from New York, the editor-in-chief of SwordChomp.com, Rich Freedom of Speech Meister. How is it going tonight, gentlemen? I, I, I great, great over here. Um, you said we were a way better podcast, but we have like a way worse host. I just want, <laughs> just want to get that out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I, you can't audibly see it, but uh, I, I grimaced at that because I was like, I don't know about that. Like that's a, that's a big thing to live up to. B, I don't know if I entirely agree with that uh, for the aforementioned uh, reason that Rich had said, but also just because. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how you quantify that or even qualitatively identify that. I, We've I don't been agree faking with all that, the numbers but, uh, we send to public. I am here to simply <laughs> just uh, shut down those ESRB ratings because um, I think all games should be for everybody, right? Whether it's even those AO lately or it's Mortal Kombat, I want three year olds playing everything. Everything should be rated. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, there has been a notable or noticeable lack of dick jokes so far. Uh, so w I guess we are better than the Chompcast. That's true. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I. This is the first time in a long time I've guest hosted on a podcast or been a guest of one. I should say, I'm I'm regulating my level of perversion and crass language for now but i'm sure as we get a little bit looser there will be some some poop jokes I, in there or some dick jokes in there somewhere i think part of for me, sure like, it, it's two things for me that are, that are bringing me down one we are recording this like right as i get out of work normally i have, I have more cool down time but i did that on purpose so i could sleep after this and two mm. is um i feel like the topic at hand there's something my brain is trying to be like, you shouldn't be talking about balls and then swing right into <laughs> phosphorus. That's right. That's that's true. Mm. Something about something about shooting guns makes me want to just ditch this podcast and go right on redtube.com. <laughs> I don't know about you. Oh. oh Lord. Is that even still a thing? I'm sure it is. I think so. Internet porn is yeah. widely successful pretty much across. <laughs> I mean, if Bang Bros exists in 2021, Red Tube's got to exist. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that is, isn't Bang Bros a premium site? Yes. Yeah. Definitely a pay site. I don't know. I've never been there. Morgan's not here, so I have no one to ask. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have. That's right. We don't have uh we don't have the right person here. Yeah. It's uh, sad that he didn't want to do this because, uh, you know, we could have definitely dealt with more porn talk. Yeah, for sure. We would have derailed this intro a lot more than we already are. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, think, I think considering the subject matter, it's best. It's best that uh, he may not be here. Yeah. But He's here in he spirit. Is, we, 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 we wish him well. 
He's a he's alive, yeah. but he's here in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, with all the um, I guess sex jokes out of the way, oh well, for now. Uh, I'll go ahead and get us started. Um, as many, if not all of the listeners of this podcast are aware, I try my best to keep our shows as politics free as I possibly can. Uh, the main reason for this is that I genuinely believe in bringing as many people together as I can, because I think the world is a better place when we can all come together to converse and share our individual experiences and passions together. Uh, that said, there's been a new story that, uh, has been percolating within the last couple of weeks that has gotten me thinking. And uh, the new story in question was the recent announcement of the reemergence of the once canceled game Six Days in Fallujah. The game was originally mired in controversy in 2009 and subsequently lost its publishing deal with Konami and was canceled soon after. Its reemergence has only caused more controversy. The entire news story surrounding this game has led me to think more about what we expect from our games and their politics, as well as what we are willing to accept and what we are willing to censor. Uh, To do that, uh, I don't think I wrote that correctly. My English is real bad. Um, We'll get there. It's fine. But to to have that conversation, uh, I have brought in my two guest hosts to talk about just this subject for you today. Um, So I guess... I guess where we should start is um, how familiar are you guys with Six Days in Fallujah? I I remember back in 09, like the murmurings of, of people talking about that game uh, and Konami, like, you know, gearing up to put it out. And I wasn't paying too close of attention to it at the time. But what I specifically remember is like sort of feeling in the back of my head the same way about it I do now and seeing the world sort of react the same way, which is no one was really happy about it then. And I think like the the idea is like it seems like it was a bad idea then and it's it's probably still a bad idea Um, (laughs) because you're talking about a conflict that in 2009 people weren't most people were like, yeah, we shouldn't have been there and, and bad shit happened. And I think that sentiment has only grown in uh, the years since. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, when that game was first being developed and announced, I didn't know anything about it. I'm, I'm the kind of person personally that doesn't really pay much attention to the news or to politics uh, because it's just who I am. I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm focusing on other things in my life. And so I kind of missed the announcement of this game. And when it started getting traction again uh, towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year, uh, I started paying a little bit more attention here and there. And then I can't remember one. I don't know if it was you, Rich, or Josh, one of you guys brought it up. Um, and I, I was like, oh, I've not heard about this. So I went and read about it a little bit. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't sound like a great idea um, offhand. And then when I was, of course, asked to be a part of this podcast, I, I started doing a deep dive. And that's kind of where my first familiarization came with both the game and honestly, uh, the situation to which it is depicting in video game form. I didn't know much about what happened in uh in that area of the world during that time until this po- uh this uh episode was being kind of uh constructed and prepared for 
Cool. Yeah, I uh, I also was not very familiar with the game back in 2009, other than I remember pretty distinctly the uh, Fox News, um, I guess, segment where they had on the uh, the head of the studio or the CEO of the studio where they were trying to defend it. And the, the thing that sticks out to me in the conversation about uh, the game now is that it seems that it's uh, – a, a different group of people that don't want it to happen this time. Uh, like I, I, I distinctly remember it was the people who were like uh, families of uh, the, the war veterans or, or soldiers or, or whatever you really want to call them. And now it's kind of like the exact opposite of that. Um, but to, I'm not sure really where to go with this other than uh, I, I know, Rich, you said that you felt like it was a bad idea back then and you kind of feel the same way now. Yeah. Uh, so talk to me about that. OK, so my main, main feeling about this is um, at the time I, I just this is 2009. You're talking is like when modern warfare was sort of becoming what it was and my thoughts probably not so much at the time like now like reflecting on it now that i'm older is there's there's a way to do war stories like that and i think for the most part call of duty usually handles that stuff pretty well with like it's not using a ton of real world conflict stuff but it's real world adjacent stuff and you can evoke those sorts of stories the real problem i have with them doing it now is there's this narrative coming out from the studio that's like we're not trying to be political we're not trying to be political and no you're being political when you decided to make this you were you have made the decision to be political because you're telling a real story about a conflict that the world has only soured on since 2009 like they weren't happy about it then they're even less happy about it now and you you can't have both like because their their statement is like we we want to tell the stories that these these soldiers told us, uh, and we're not going to include elements like the issues with white phosphorus, which I'm sure we'll get into because nobody told us about that. And it just feels like the sort of ignorance that you really can't have when you're trying to tell a story like this. We we know those bad things happened, and choosing to ignore them and leave them out, I feel like there there is a right way to make a game like this. And they don't seem to be interested in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I tend to agree with you on that. Um, there's, especially when you consider the fact that, uh, was it uh, Modern Warfare from two years ago that had the um, the white phosphorus like issue? Like there were people who were. I, I don't um, remember specifically which mm. one that was, um, but I, I know that definitely did happen. Um, I could do a quick, quick poll on that while we. Yeah, yeah, there, uh, it was I'll something it like that. Uh, you guys keep going, but so I think, I think that you are correct in saying that uh, it is weird that these guys are trying to uh, say that they're not trying to make a political statement when the topic that they're covering is inherently political. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really understand that. It's like I, um, it, it reeks to me kind of I, I hate to say this because i i don't know these people personally but it kind of reeks to me of cowardice like you you want to make a 
political statement, but you also don't want the backlash from making a political statement. So you're saying it's not political. Yeah, you don't want to deal with the consequences of the people who might have a problem with the political statement you're making. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. you still want to reap the support on the other end. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I'm going inter- to uh, interject really quickly. The Modern Warfare, I don't know, the. I know it wasn't like a remake or whatever, but the next iteration of Modern Warfare, the one that came out a few years ago, uh, when you got a 10 kill kill streak in multiplayer mode, you got access to white phosphorus that you could use on enemies if you are at level 51. So at, at a at a 10 kill streak, you are you can violate the Geneva Conventions. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. If if I may jump in here, I I want to say that it's very very difficult when you talk about anything that happened concerning the Iraqi war. To separate politics, because during that time, uh, I, I don't need to remind anybody of this, but if there are any younger listeners who don't know their history, during this time, obviously, that's when the September 11 attacks happened, and then it became the U.S. government's um, mantra to basically, we're going to shut down terrorism in the Middle East. And that was kind of the mantra driving this country forward. Uh, during the rest of the Bush administration or a large part of it. And so it's very, very difficult when you talk about the Iraqi war to separate politics because that's what, that's what brought the country together in some respects. You know, you saw people dying on American soil during that time and the country didn't feel necessarily divided, but it brought the country together. It unified everybody for a common cause, like we, we, we can't let this stand. Like this is unacceptable. And it really brought the American eye towards what is truly happening over there. And so when the troops were sent over there, it, I mean, politics were inevitably, inevitably going to be involved. So, you know, having that information, hearing about how this, how these developers or the creator doesn't want to get political is incredibly confusing to me. First off, like there's, it's impossible. I I mean, military and military and politics in some respects go hand in hand. Unfortunately, one's dependent on the other. That's just kind of how it is. It's confusing to hear that statement for a few reasons, like one that, and also, because, yeah, exactly like these guys are saying, it's really trying to circumvent the, the, the responsibilities of making something like this. It reminds me of, um, and this is going to be a very weird example, but go with me on this journey. I don't know if you guys ever heard, and I'm sure you have, of the movie A Serbian Film. You guys have heard mm-hmm. of that movie, yes, correct? Yes, of course. Right. So that is the director's one and only movie that he ever made. And... Obviously, it's a very heinous, heinous, terrible movie. I've watched it. I would recommend if any of you have never, anybody listening or you too have never seen it, don't put yourself through that movie. It's not worth. Oh, it's heinous. Even one minute of watching. Don't let the morbid curiosity get to you. (laughs) You Seriously. Yeah, yeah, seriously, don't. It's It's a terrible movie. But I remember. After I watched that movie, I was like, what would compel somebody to make this movie? And I remember the director saying, we just wanted to explore these kind of subjects that are this, these sexual subjects that are a little bit more taboo for the average audience. We wanted to create this, this art piece. And it was just like, it was, 
it was just bullshit at the end of the day, basically trying to circumvent the responsibility of making something that was incredibly offensive. And when I read that statement by the developer of Six Days in Fallujah, that's exactly what the, the same vibes that I got here. Um, it even states in one of the articles that I read that this developer um, doesn't, like Rich was saying, doesn't want to depict the war crimes there. And this feels basically like a fluff piece, not only to give respect to the people who lost their lives there, the not just the American Marines, but the civilians, the 800 plus civilians that lost their lives there. But on top of that, it's like, yay military. That's what this essentially feels like. And why do we need another one of those games? Um, I, I'm so confused about that. Like, like if you're wanting man. to... Mm-hmm. Right. If you're wanting to depict the actual atrocities of that, you need to accept the full responsibility that A, politics are going to be involved, that B, if you're going to use real people that died and are still alive, you need to depict depict all the positives and negatives of that and let the audience decide for themselves. My, my first thought when I think about, uh, like, like I said earlier, that I think there maybe is a correct way to make this game and a group of people capable of doing it. I don't, number one, I don't think these are the people capable of doing it. They've shown us that that's not the case. And if you're going to make a game about an event like this, the more I, I think about it, I don't think that game is a first-person shooter. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, you can look to games like uh, This War of Mine or... That game's actually... Exactly. Um, I don't know if you knew this, it's on the required reading, reading list for Polish schools. Oh, wow, they, they really? For students to play that game. That's very interesting. That's super cool. Um, but you, you can look to that game or uh, what's the um, what's the one with the dog that takes place in World War I? Uh, Valiant Hearts. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can look to those games specifically for ways to tackle political uh subjects in a non-first-person shooter way this to me reeks of like shay was saying of the uh almost recruitment like uh strategy like it's it's pandering it's pandering to our military it's pandering to our government i'm sorry to interrupt you there and it's pandering to anybody who supports the military and it's not to say that there aren't people out there who are like, yeah, screw the military. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the, the average person who supports the military, who is even has a shred of interest in a video game. That's what this feels like. This is pandering to. And it's, it's a shame because you have an art form here that you can do so many things with it. I mean, it's not like you're just listening to music. It's not like you're just reading a story. It's not like you're just watching a a narrative unfold before your eyes you are in effect that's that's the beauty of video games you're quote unquote living vicariously through the eyes of another character whether or not you're in first person or third person mm -hmm. you can do you can do a lot with it and it just it it feels like they're squandering what i think is a good opportunity to to tell like the, the games josh mentioned are great examples of that another one that came to my mind was um my memory of us uh, oh yeah, it, yeah, uh, yes. I, I actually was lucky enough to meet those devs when they were showing that game off at PAX, and um, me too. Yeah, fucking like fantastic work. There are ways to to 
tell a story that hits that hard, that is about a tragedy, that is about, like, dark history, and handles it with care and helps you learn about that event while while you're playing a game. Yeah. On, honestly, had they approached... And granted, the game's not even out yet, and we're kind of tearing it to pieces, but I think rightfully <laughs> so. You know, it's... It sounds like they're not handling it with the level of brevity that they should be at the end of the day. And it's a shame because one of the ultimate goals that I read about the developer saying is part of the reason why we are creating this game is because we want people to know what happened during that time. We want people to understand how harrowing this experience was. And yet they're leaving and I think that deliberately and have admitted to that. Right, and what what really, really, really bothered me, I think, um, the most is the way the developer was describing is like, we want this to be a horror game. We want like all this realism, and I was like, I mean, that's gr- that, that's that's great, but the way he like because he wants you to live through, like, he wants you to experience what these um, Marines went through, and I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the fact that they want you to understand. Um, in in Josh's notes that he sent us, one of the things that he cited was uh, the mission from 2009's Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. What is yeah. it? No Russian? No is that Russian, what it's called? Yeah. yeah. The mission. No Russian. Yeah. Port. Yeah. Where you go into an airport and you have the choice to kill a bunch of civilians in an airport you don't have to do it but you have the choice that's such a controversial thing back in the day um but even that i feel like was handled with a slight level of brevity um the game also controversy you, aside it was still if you'd like to skip that mission in the game it, it's yeah, going to right, be yeah, exactly exactly and this and game feels like it has no self-awareness at the end of the day and you are you're depicting real life people alive and dead and you have families and this is something that josh had mentioned that of of deceased marines that are saying like we're not comfortable with this being made um and it's 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 frustrating because i think that they could tell this story and they could tell it in a way to where it would be honest it would get people interested in the subject matter that they're trying to display on the TV screen of anyone who buys this game. I honestly didn't hear about, I didn't pay much attention when I was younger to what was happening in Iraq. I just, you know, it, it wasn't for me. I didn't want to pay attention and maybe that's on me for ignorance, but being older, wanting to kind of understand the history I lived through reading about this incident was interesting to me um both in a positive and a negative way obviously because of what happened over there and i feel like i would be open to developers depicting this on a screen if they had the self-awareness and the and the 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 frame of mind to make a game representative of exactly what happened over there, both positive and negative. And that doesn't feel like what they're doing, what they're trying to do here. Oh yeah. I I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, You bring up a funny point. I was in, I think seventh grade 
yeah, for sure seventh grade when 9-11 happened. And I remember distinctly getting home and my my routine when I got home from school was I would watch cartoons for like 30 to 40 minutes or whatever. And then I would go do homework. And I remember getting home and being like, why the hell is this shit on the TV? Let me watch X-Men. Like, <laughs> I need to see what's uh, going on with Beast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but now right. being older, it's, th- this is something that, uh, is very, um, very hard to talk about. And the fact that these guys do want to take a sort of like milk toast approach to it is, is very concerning to me. Um, but, but with that said, uh, I, one thing that I wanted to bring up with the two of you, because this is an inherently political conversation is why, why do you guys think that politics in games is important? Uh, or, or if you, if you don't think that it's important, like why not? I think for me is, I do think politics in games are important and, a big problem I have with uh, a lot of people take the stance of like keep politics out of my game, uh, which is something I don't agree with because I think specifically when you're talking about narrative games, I think it's impossible to separate those things. Like stories are inherently political. Stories are told through characters with thoughts and ideas, and it's very rare to be able to tell a story without a character's maybe not specifically their political leanings, but their ideas and the way they feel about the world and politics feeds into all of that. It's stories I I feel are inherently political nine times out of 10 and you can't remove one from the other and, and make something that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I think in the average, um, and I'm sure this will come back to bite me in the ass as I say it. I think the average first world society will always have politics playing some kind of part in it. Um, I think it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, politics in some way, shape, or form create our society as it stands right now in a first world country. And it, it has some level of influence on all of our lives at the end of the day. No matter how you want to parse it or dice it, you look at different cultures and how... And societies and how integrated politics is and government are integrated into those societies and cultures is, you know, going to differ between each, each, uh, each one. But like Rich is saying, if you are telling a story, there's going to be some level of politics involved. And that's okay. I, I think that as long as you're not shoehorning in politics for the say, sake of trying to say something trying to be didactic or trying to be thought provoking, I'm welcome to it. And at the end of the day, if I'm not looking for that in a game, I can just go play another game. There are literally tens of battle Royale games that I could just boot up at any given point in time on any single device that I own. That is mindless. And I don't have to worry about politics, but if there's a moment where I'm whatever I want looking for something, (laughs) right. (laughs) Right. But if I'm looking for something that I kind of want to sit with, I want to expand my mind. I want to get lost in it. I want I want something a little bit deeper. Then, yeah, I think politics are welcome in some games. I mean, you look at some of the greatest games of all time, Final Fantasies. There is some level of politics 
involved oh, yeah, in for every sure. one of those games. Uh, for example, it's it's inevitable. I, I'm sure that you could argue you that game that starts certain games like a, an energy reactor is a group of eco. <laughs> it's not political about that, Shay. I don't know what you mean. I, I mean, yeah, I, I I I have no idea. I'm sure you can make the case that Super Mario RPG, which is one of the few games in that IP that has a deeper story, has some level of politics involved. If you really want to break it down, well, Bowser is like the feudal. You could Lord argue that, of and Mushroom Kingdom. That's, that's the worst kind. <laughs> I, I um, I get why some people don't want to want politics in their games. They they li- they look to that medium as an escape from everything else that they're dealing with in the real world. I don't agree with saying keep it out of our video games because there are plenty of video games that do just that. And Mm -hmm. if you want to play those type of games, they exist for you. To try and cap what people should and shouldn't be doing in games, um, such as in specific reference to should there be politics or shouldn't there be, I think is a little ridiculous. I mean, just do five minutes of research and find a game that you think will interest you that has zero politics instead of complaining about it. It's, it's Ape Escape. That's the game. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Ape Escape. Uh, <laughs> even Madden deals with like CTE, so... You There's know. something there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, real quick, as a as an aside, it's funny that you brought up uh, the, the entire eco-terrorism thing from Final Fantasy VII, because for the longest time, I had no idea that they were doing anything quote unquote bad because they're the main characters. They're the well, good guys. <laughs> that's just it. Like I, I actually had this conversation with a few friends as remake was gearing up because I'm like, I wonder how many people have not thought about that game through that lens because avalanche is a technically a terrorist group. The, the, the yeah. difference though is like when you're the hero, it's like they're the rebels when you're Shinra, mm-hmm. they're terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> right right i uh i actually said something in the discord uh the the sword chomp discord to the guys the other day i i have not read watchmen since i was probably i don't know 15 or 16 and when i read it i remember distinctly thinking that rorschach was the hero yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but now i'm like Oh man, I don't know if I want to revisit that and like feel like sixteen year old me was a dumbass. Rorschach <laughs> is like Rorschach is a vigilante who who does a lot of good, but at the end, he's like a victim of circumstance and a mental health case slipping through the cracks. Oh and yeah, my favorite Rorschach joke ever is still that post people pull all the time. That's uh, Rorschach's my favorite superhero. I just wish his mask didn't have a picture of my parents fighting on it. <laughs> um. So, uh, one of the things that I think uh, with the, with the politics and games that I th- I think is a really good, I think that hmm, I'm trying I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. the The good thing about having politics in in games is that it it allows you to bring ideas. Uh, forth that aren't normally explored in games. Like, just for instance, one of my favorite games of the entire generation, last generation, was Hellblade. And that completely explores, you know, mental illness and psychosis and all of that. And normally you don't get to explore that in video games. It's not something that, like, 
people bring up because you're thinking, oh, I'm Mario. I'm going to fucking jump on this turtle. Yeah. You know, so I think that it's weird that there is this narrative. Uh, and I, <laughs> I specifically put it in the, uh, the show notes, the, the weird right wing narrative that game shouldn't be political. And I think that that's really strange because you don't get to explore other experiences that you wouldn't normally have. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that this whole conversation has made me like reaffirmed for me is that politics should be in video games because the average person doesn't understand the decisions you have to make at that level and the consequences at that level, because each one of us as a member of society has these concepts, these preconceived notions of what would make us, what would make us society and the societies that we live in better at the end of the day, we all do. And it's, and that's fine. That's inevitable. And that's good because as each individual has their own idea, they can each fight for something. And as a collective, as a group, as a, as a species or as a massive community in that country, we can all use our different ideas to fight for different concepts to make something better. And that's, I know that's a very utopian and optimistic way of looking at it, but in theory, that's how a society should work. But the average person doesn't under, isn't going to understand the consequences of that because the average person is never go, going to directly see that happen. Uh, especially as a politician having to make some of those choices or as a policymaker, as a lawmaker, so on and so forth. Um, the average person isn't going to truly understand the weight of those consequences. When you play a game, that's the beautiful thing about a video game, especially one that has politics. In a very filtered way, in a very pseudo meaningful way you are going to be able to experience those consequences i still think about to this day and it's been it's happened 11 years ago at this point in or sorry nine years ago in mass effect um i believe it's the third one when you have the choice to commit genocide you are given the choice to commit genocide against one of the species you can do that in the first in that game and i you, yes, exactly. You can also do that in the first game. Genocide in the Mass Effect series. <laughs> right. And honestly, to me, nine years later, that still sits with me. Um, and it's it's a choice that honestly <clears throat> is one of those kind of things. Uh, I kind of cheat sometimes when I play video games. And when I have to make a really hard decision, I'll pause the game or I'll hit home screen and I'll just sit there for a minute or two to think about it. Something that you would never be able to do in the real world. And I just sit there and I'm like, Shit, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to you know, make in the, this in choice? The real world, I and it's, I'd be like, give, give me a minute, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a politician, I mean, that would work. Yeah. Filibuster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it's something that, you know, like th those kind of decisions still sit with me, me personally. Totally. In my life. I, I'll be sitting and I'll be like, oh, I remember that time I was asked to commit genocide for a fictitious species in a, a video game. And uh, I remember how I didn't do it, but fuck was that a difficult decision to make. And I like, it's something that for me, when I think about real world situations that are happening, um, I'm not going to list any here because 
we're not here here assembling to discuss other current real world issues. We're discussing uh, this game and kind of politics and video gaming. It it reminds me of those kind of difficult decisions that I've had to make in gaming. Those political decisions, um, those socio political decisions, all those things, and that's the beauty of a video game is they want the developers who put politics in gaming or make these very methodical thought out integrative stories. They want those decisions to sit with you for years. They want those stories to resonate with you for years to come. And like Rich and Josh were saying, especially when you explore them at a different point in your life, you guys were referencing final fantasy seven because that remake came out last year. I didn't have that context when I was seven years old playing that these people were eco-terrorists. The remake did a really good job of iterating that to the audience. They like they did a much better job than the original did. And I think that's what's so beautiful about video games is we can revisit them years later with our updated life experiences, our updated mor- morality, our updated concept of the world and have a different viewpoint. And those mediums will exist for as long as video games exist. And that's the beautiful thing about this medium. So I absolutely don't think that politics should ever be kept out of a video game unless you're trying to shoehorn shoehorn, shoehorn it in for a... for I, I don't even know what the purpose would be for doing that. But yeah, politics and video games, it's cool by me. Yeah, there's a... Uh, I hate to I hate to invoke it, but uh, the the whole Gamergate thing really. Uh, I think in in certain aspects, uh, I, I agree with a tendency to think that um, that one should not be getting favors from developers in reporting. But I, that's something that I think Rich could. Rich, you worked for Destructoid, right? Yeah, so you you could definitely speak more to this than I could because I was only from the outside looking in. But like, uh, with the with the sole exception of for me, the whole uh, you know giving better review scores for certain uh, for certain you know like friends or something like that. With the, with the sole exception of that, I think Gamergate was such a toxic thing <laughs> that ended up being such a, a, a weird, uh, like I said, it, 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 I feel like I'm, I'm Josh from, from the chomp cast right now, <laughs> like trying to gather my thoughts yeah. when I'm speaking. It was very Josh. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, to, to me, the, the whole, uh, narrative that games shouldn't be political stemmed specifically from Gamergate. And I think that's such a weird thing to have because as Shay pointed out, it's allowed him to think about things that he wouldn't normally have to think about. Like, like, like the, um, you would never commit a genocide in real life, right? Yeah. Like, (laughs) like it it puts you in positions you would never be in. And and had you grapple even on a small theoretical scale with, with thoughts that you would never, grapple with like it's the thing where I, I think a lot of us i know i'm especially guilty of it in games where they let you be the bad guy sometimes i have a hard time doing it like <laughs> oh yeah for sure 
For sure. Every time I've ever had a run in Infamous, I always choose the good path because I, I feel like making the, the quote-unquote bad decision is so hard for me to you do. You want to be the hero. like Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think part of that stuff definitely stems from like, Gamergate was a mess all around and it fucking destroyed people. Oh, yeah. And it was a show of how toxic communities like this can be that all, all stemmed, like you said, from... It's it's weird that the, the politics and games came out of that because then they were basically talking about like inner politics and oh uh, like you were saying you know reviewers are you know giving better scores than their friends and all that and I, I can only speak to my experience in it and like that wasn't happening with me or anyone I knew <laughs> or was working with like bro fucking do you think I'm living in a studio apartment with all the money Ubisoft is sending me like <laughs> right yeah like it's fun when you give a game a good score like the the only 10 out of 10 I ever gave uh the whole time I was at Destructoid was to the messenger and after that I went out to I'd already met Sabotage Studios a few times in covering the game and like the packs after that, I met up with them and like it was great to like we were be- we became friends because of that, because I was so impressed with the product they made. And like, obviously, they were happy with like this guy really liked our game. We love talking to him about it. Um, and friendships spawn from that. And I think sometimes people on the outside looking in see stuff like that and take it the wrong way. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I've never worked in the industry, so I can I can. 100% say that like seeing stuff like that is uh I don't want to say damaging but like can definitely give off a negative perception which is like you said maybe un um I I, I don't know I, what the I, I the right say, word to like, say found it or anything because I I get why people think that way and and what I've always told because I I've had personal friends like ask me about stuff like that and games are such a big industry but at the same time, mm. the, the, it's such a tightly knit industry. Like when we were going to industry events and stuff, I see the same people all the time. It, it, yeah. it, it never feels like development is sequestered away from journalists. Like I was talking with devs regularly and like emailing through PR people and stuff for the most time. But like everyone was friendly with everyone and like people got along and you'd be at events like PAX and you'd go to these mixers and you'd hang out with whoever and get drinks and it's just the way it is. It's like, it's, it still is that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I, um, I don't, I don't know really how to transition. I'm, I don't know if either of you have ever listened to my show, but I'm, I'm terrible at transitions. Uh, my co-host Dylan helps me out a lot. You're weird. You just roll. Don't stress it. it. (laughs) That's the, that's the beauty of editing. Right. <laughs> um, and like the thing is most of the time when uh our main host does his transitions, it flops, I'd say about fifty percent of the time. But yeah, you know, we just kinda we kinda just like banter and joke and get through it. So Morgan is terrible uh, at transitions. Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> um so transitions are difficult. They they are. They are. Uh you're struggling so I guess transitions are weird and then go for it. <laughs> that yeah that's what i should do from now on just every episode yeah. transitions are weird exactly um so i i guess i wanted to move on because the topic of six days in Fallujah and the people who have kind of wanted it i don't want to say canceled uh because i don't i don't know that the people who are having an outcry about this game in particular 
are wanting it canceled per se. It's more that they want a, uh, they want it to be more truthful or I, I guess maybe like accurate to what it is that they're trying to portray. I that's uh, because I have, which is like, if you're going to make this, you need to take a certain amount of responsibility with telling that story that right now they yes. seem unwilling to take. Exactly. Um, so I, I don't feel like that people are necessarily trying to censor this game or, or even get it canceled. They just want a, a specific, uh, way to handle it. Uh, but I, I definitely have seen on Twitter some, some people who are calling for it to be outright canceled. And, uh, so the next topic, I guess I wanted to kind of cover a little bit was, uh, censorship and, and whether or not, um, I guess I guess whether or not we have a responsibility as not only gamers, but uh, I mean, you guys are definitely in the media for sure, uh, even if you're a smaller outlet. Um, Thank you for saying that. Minutes, yeah. Real good. <laughs> it's weird to hear that. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate it. Um, so we we have a responsibility, I think, to t- to talk about censorship in games and whether or not you know. That is a um, something that we should consider, maybe or or not consider. I, I just yeah, I'll open up the floor to you guys because I'm I'm babbling now. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll keep it as succinct as I can. It doesn't need to be canceled. Um, I don't agree with the game uh, in the current form that it is being made as. I don't agree with it at all. However, I understand that this game is not being made for me. Um, it's difficult to say that because I potentially worry about the kind of glossing over the atrocities of this incident, mm. but also it is not my personal responsibility to regulate what you consume and how you consume it. Uh, uh, not you guys, but as in the average person who is interested in a video game or is who, who is even interested in this video game. We don't know at the end of the day how anyone who buys this game is going to take it. We don't even know how we're going to take it. We don't know if someone who buys this game, who, like me, didn't know much about this incident, goes and researches it more and comes to the conclusion, yeah, this game really did a bad job of depicting what actually happened over here. We don't know if this game may serve as a... a... uh, respect peace to the the marines and the civilians who died I, i'm not holding my breath on that one but I think it's unlikely but i uh, you never <laughs> yeah yeah you you know you never know it's not completely impossible but to regulate what should and shouldn't be dropped unless it's something absolutely heinous that the average child um should not get their hands on i mean don't worry about it if you're not interested in it or you think that it's in poor form, just don't buy it. You don't need to go out there and call for the canceling of this game. Because unless... I think the only people who should call for the canceling of this game, let me um, update my statement really quickly before I sit on it, would be the families of the Marines who died. I think they're the only ones who should be calling for the canceling. And they are doing just that right now. The average person on any social media who's calling for the canceling, 
and I'm sorry I'm making this statement on your podcast, I would make it anywhere. If you were that concerned with a game being made that you were never going to buy in the first place, maybe you need to focus your time and energy on doing something more proactive and actually calling people and fighting for actual change rather than going on social media and using your fingers to type about it. Oh, I, <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I, I don't want to get too political, but I think that there's a lot of bullshit in this country where people are like, oh, things need to change. And then they continue to vote for set like the Republican in the Senate or the Democrat in the Senate that hasn't done, done the anything for them thing, for 30 yeah, years for their entire life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's just that. And, and the thing is, in this particular instance, I would agree on the end of it, like censorship either way is bad. Swinging back to the whole politics shouldn't be in games. That's censorship just the same. Like, tell the mm -hmm. story you want to tell. I don't think these people are telling the story in the responsible way. And all I can say at that point is, I think it's a poor choice on the publisher's part to put the capital oh, yeah. forward to do this. I also can't tell those people what to do. All I can do is, as someone in the media, is report on it accurately when it comes out and say, I don't think anyone should experience this if that's the case. And say, I think this was handled poorly. And like, if it is a train wreck, if it is a fucking travesty that disrespects a very serious topic, then I, I want that information to be accessible to people because they should be allowed to make the thing they want to make, but they need to deal with the repercussions. If the thing they make is harmful, like overall. Oh yeah. Right. Like, let us as the consumers make that choice. Let us decide if the person telling the story is a bad storyteller or the story that they're trying to tell is full of lies and full of fallacies. Let us decide that. Don't cancel something because you you have nothing better to do during this pandemic. Uh, the, the, the intentions may be good there. Because you're saying, look, people died there. And I completely yeah, empathize with that. <laughs> well, I'm not yeah, talking about the developers. I'm talking about the people calling for the canceling of it. But uh, I see your point. Um, <laughs> but let us decide. Like to cancel that basically to me says like the people who are not the families of the deceased that are calling for the canceling of this are saying, look, we think the average person is too stupid to make this decision for themselves. And whether or not that's true is irrelevant. It is up for each and every person to decide whether the story being told is bullshit and whether the developer is doing right by the source material. That is up to the consumer. It's the equivalent of a parent never letting their child go out and make mistakes because they're afraid that the child is going to make mistakes. Agreed. The you got to let these things happen. The, and I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, go the, ahead. Only, the only real time I think that like, and it's hard to say until we know what the product is, because my real worry is, and then the, the responsibility I feel falls elsewhere for people to recognize it and point it out and be like, yeah, this shouldn't have been made and this has to go, is if this thing ends up just being fucking propaganda, like fucking mm -hmm. gay military propaganda, like <laughs> that is my one concern, my, yes. that's my one real concern. 
I, it would never get this egregious, but like if at the end of the game, all of a sudden a U.S. Marines advertisement came up on the screen, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fucking uh, drag them all over social media for that. Um, and granted, it's never going to be that egregious, but if it has feelings of that, then yeah, drag them. Yeah, call for the canceling of that. That's bullshit. But at the same time, we don't even know because the game hasn't even been released. Um, one of the things that I think is like more egregious than that is, and again, I can't take credit for this. Uh, it was linked in the, the notes that we were given, but the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas um, minigame. Oh, yeah. The, the coffee mini game where you were able, it, it depicted you actually having sex with somebody. I remember way back in the day it when that was a thing really? that people, <laughs> people at high school were, <laughs> people in high school were talking about the, Oh, did you do that mini game where you can actually, you, you can actually fuck somebody in the, in the video game and you see it like that's, that's a real thing to cancel over at the end of the day. You're trying to hide something like that that a child well, can get a hold fair, of granted is rated mean. m for mature and in theory children are not supposed to get a hold of that game but you know we all know how well that kind of stuff works at the end of the day you make something taboo and it wasn't in it wasn't in the retail game it was a mod yeah community thing. yeah it right right it was buried right. in the code right. but it was not a part of the game right you're right you're right once it once it was found out it was taken out of the game but you could still no no it was never in the game I'm pretty sure you could still get access to it somehow. Through modding? Yes. It was, yeah, it was buried in the code because someone had developed something like that, but it was not in in the retail. Yeah, exactly. Right. What I, what I was trying to say is basically before the, the retail copies were released, um, some I don't know what it was that Game Tester had found out. They found that it that was in the code ex- That existed. I'm, I'm sure... And, and in its defense, yeah. I actually think uh, the Red Dead Redemption 2 thing where a lady uh, rubs Arthur Morgan with a sponge is more titillating than hot coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or when a woman rubs Geralt in Witcher 3 with a hot sponge on a, as well. On a Jesus. <laughs> well, that, that one's a little bit different. But yeah, like at the time, bury, like trying to bury that nefariously. Um, yeah, I understand that controversy there. And I understand for calling for there to be some action with that, which ended up happening. It became an adults-only game. It had been ESRB rating, which despite my uh, my intro, I was actually in favor of that ESRB rating change at the time. But uh, yeah, like calling for, like I said I was going to go much quicker, and I apologize, guys. Calling for the canceling of this game, I think is silly. Uh, unless you are the family of one of the deceased Marines who uh, died over there during this incident, then yes, absolutely. If you feel that you don't want um, your loved one depicted in this game, absolutely make a big stink about it, please. The the way they lost their life essentially glorified in some way. Yes, yes, that's that's disgusting. Especially if it were to end up being something kind of like what we're talking about, a yay Marine, yay U.S. military vibe, which... Is is starting to feel like it feels that, like that's um, the real from thing. the interviews that I've read. Yeah, one hundred percent agree with that. I um, <clears throat> uh, it's again really hard for me to to transition this stuff, but like I uh, so I I think we all tend to agree. I 
for me, it's um, I don't know if you guys can see my hat or not, but I'm wearing a, a Friday the Thirteenth hat, and for me, censorship and it's Friday the Thirteenth somewhere, it, right? <laughs> um, for for me as a as a horror movie fan, censorship has always been like a weird uh, spot where I'm I I tend to go towards the the um, side that says no censorship is good censorship. Uh, I, I remember uh, distinctly a interview with Wes Craven when he was talking about his battles with the MPAA during the making of Nightmare, uh, where he kind of went to them and was like, what are you guys doing? Like, can't you just let me make my movie sort of thing? And for me, having the background in horror that I do, uh, not that I've ever worked on. Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tend to fall on the side of, of censorship is a bad thing. But uh, one thing that I had put down in here that I thought was interesting and, and Shay and I were kind of talking a little bit before we actually started the episode was the, the thrill kill thing. And Thrill Kill, for those who were not, uh, I guess, cognizant of of that game, uh, it was a it was a PS one game that was canceled in like ninety eight, maybe ninety seven, uh, but it was it was somewhere along those times, and like it was canceled because of some really horrific shit, like there was. Uh, there was one character in pers- in specific. I remember she was like basically a BDSM, uh, like, uh, m- matriarch, I think is the correct term. I-, I could be wrong, but basically she was one of those, you know, w- when you go into, uh, bondage stuff, she's the kind of one who like slaps you with the whip and, and whatnot. Dominatrix. D- yes. That's, that's the term. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and she had several different uh, special moves that would like just they would like dismember the people that you were fighting with and stuff like that. And I think in 1998, that's that's something that's rough to get out. Uh, but um, I kind of lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going with this. I, I I'll pick it up here if if you don't mind. I. It bothers me that there's that level of censorship kind of with certain things because and like that that's a really good example. Thrill kill I think is something that kind of suffered from that. An example that I thought of when you were kind of building this up is the game Privates. Uh the 2010 game from Size Size 5 Studios cuz that was such a controversial title at the time. It was this game that was slated to be released on the Xbox 360 and then they rejected it because of its overtly sexual themes. This game was designed as a twin-stick shooter that was also supposed to serve as a sexual education tool. Um, You're basically playing as this sergeant and a group of privates that go in and kill STDs and fight against viruses. And, um, of course, you go into various locations such as uh, the breasts or the penis or the vagina of various individuals and you're fighting these STDs or you're fighting against these viruses. And 
it was very humorous, but also it involved a lot of education in the process. And it ended up being released for Windows, and it ended up actually winning a BAFTA award. But it bothers me that certain levels of censorship happen because it, it bothers me who is deciding them and how they're being decided. Because you look at something like... Comfortable rich people. Violence in a video game, and it can be egregious. But then you look at something like sexual content, such as Thrill Kill, or as Privates, and there is a much bigger, you know, like, no, don't do that. There's a much bigger level of taboo. And it's interesting to me that in many first world countries that sex has become almost more taboo than violence when being depicted in media. And you compare it to other cultures and societies, um, and it, it starts to become even more confusing. You look at something, I'm going to go on a tangent here really quick, quickly. You look at something like um, there are tribes in Papua New Guinea that actually... <laughs> Again, I'm going to go on a really weird thing here because I studied this in college a little bit. Uh, when your children reach a certain age, I believe it's 12. Don't quote me on that exact number. The children will watch their parents have sex a few times. And the reason why they do that is because that serves as their sexual education. They don't have videos to show. They don't have games to play. They don't have books to read. So how else are they going to depict that? How else are you going to learn about sexual education? Well, the way you learn is through watching. And the the people you're going to feel most comfortable watching, apparently, are your parents. But, oh, no. But the opposite here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Like, right. We cringe at that because that's kind of what we're taught as a society. And I'm not saying we should re think, rethink about how we think about these things. Um, but I also am saying that because... There are certain levels of censorship that we kind of just like, yeah, that's whatever, you know, like violence. I'll beat the shit out of a grandma on the sidewalk in a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, you know, I'll go into a game and I'll have the choice to massive mass shoot and kill hundreds of civilians in an airport. Yeah, that's fine. But then when it comes to sex in a video game, we are still so archaic as a society about that. And that's what bothers me is like that level of censorship. Who is deciding this and why are they deciding this? And when do they decide to implement that? Uncomfortable rich people. Uh, <laughs> rich nailed it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, it, it reminds me what you're saying is the, I, I have it uh, again here in the notes that, um, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like it was about two years ago, Sony started asking the Sinran Kagura developer to take out its intimacy mode. And it, it's not nearly on the same level as like your uh, privates game, uh, because obviously that's supposed to be like a uh, semi-educational tool. But it, it raises one of those questions of uh, I'm not sure how to how to say this but isn't it on the the parents or the guardians of people or or n not even necessarily for children but like for us as adults isn't it kind of like to on us to consume yeah yeah absolutely exactly 
like I, I uh, not to cut you off, Shay. Sorry. I f- something that I've always found weird it is the the fact that like I I'm not sure that like the MPAA, for instance, is like if if there is an R rating on a film, the parents should be the ones who say my kids can see this, my kids can't see this, and therefore like if you're taking your kids for example to a friday the 13th they know what they're going into they know that they're going to see a slasher movie with boobs with gore with all this stuff isn't it on the parent to say well my kids shouldn't see this or my kids should see this like it's it shouldn't be on a group of people like rich said like rich people uncomfortable rich people who say mm, yeah, you can't engage in. This. We've decided this isn't good for you. <laughs> it's it's difficult because I think the system we have right now is as close to as close to as good as it's going to be. I'm not saying it's perfect, I'm not saying it can't be better, but as of right now, I think it's as close to as good as it's going to be. I think there should be some basic tenets and principles that are laid out by a, not necessarily a government, but an entity that kind of oversees it, which is what we have with the ESRB I think rating. The rating system is with, um, that, that does make sense because at the end of the day, that it is what you're saying. We're making the decision or the parents of a child are making the decision. And it's nice to have a system right. you can look at and go, well, this can, like, ultimately the decision is yours, but this can give you an idea of what the content in this piece of media is like. Mm-hmm, exactly right i mean as as parents and i think about this now um being as both a teacher and someone who consumes media i think about the responsibilities of the average parent and how much that that has grown in the past 20 30 years i mean at, when we were children parents had to worry about tv books cds about it and what we were hearing from our peers now you have access to all of the information that exists around the world at your fingertips with a smartphone that is incredibly incredibly difficult that is a near impossible task as a parent to regulate what your child is getting oh no, little billy's reading the cimmerillion we need to acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> right why the f- why the fuck is my child reading the Cimmerillion for the 10th time? It's Tolkien's worst work. Um, but <laughs> it's his most dense. But I I have empathy for parents because they can't they can't sit down and be like, okay, so what are you playing today, Johnny? Oh, you're playing this game. Well, hand me the controller, let me play for an hour and see what this game is about. You know, like parents don't have that kind of time. Think about the number of parents that have two jobs, three jobs, the number of single parents that exist out there that are just scraping to get by. And especially during the times we're living in right now. It's not the 90s. Oh, my dad sure. can't you know, take a week off of work I, to finish Spyro the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I, right. Uh, I had a thought and it, it's, it's weird, but like it, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> There's. Please continue to have those. <laughs> great. The 
it's 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 super weird when you think about like you were saying like in in America specifically I can't speak to what happens in Japan or you know other parts of the world but in America specifically it's such a weird thing that like school is basically daycare and like because of that like the parent can't be there all the time because the parent has to work to feed the family and 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 what have you so like when it comes to like their kids entertainment they also can't be there like they're just like here turn on the television and they'll watch the keeping up with the kardashians and the kids like three years old you know like filed for a divorce mom (laughs) right it's just uh it's such a weird thing what's kanye gonna do now dad uh, he's going to sell you a shirt full of holes for $50. Well, he's got to get all of his crap out of that house. Well, it's more like 300 at that point. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah it's just... Uh, he's going to release a sequel, 909s right. and Heartbreaks. Oh, Lord. <laughs> 909s and Heartbreaks, that's awful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it's... These entities are definitely for sure in place to to help parents along. But you're, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like, parents cannot be there all the time. I, I remember this is go with me on this journey, as Shay would say. I remember distinctly when I was take us, baby. <laughs> I, I I was in uh, probably elementary school, maybe. Uh, I mean, I was I was fairly young. I was playing Metal Gear Solid. And there's a scene where the only way to get out of your uh, prison cell is, well, I guess, I guess there are technically two ways. One, you can either hide under the bed or the other one, you can uh, put ketchup on your body so that the guard thinks that you're dead. And in both instances, the guard sees that either, you know, you've vanished or that you're dead. And he says, what the hell? And <laughs> my dad heard me playing this game and the guards say what the hell and he lost his mind lost his mind that the character said hell and that's such a i don't know that's a weird side story that i don't really think connects to anything but i think it just, i thought it was a funny interesting story. Time. yeah like i it's just it's not a reaction i could imagine having if i were a parent like and I, I I think that's just a consequence of like time and ha- how we handle stuff like that has changed, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You juxtaposition that because we're the same age. When I was seven years old, my dad was showing me Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. <laughs> I remember uh, seeing Jim Carrey's ass in the shower as he's pretending to be horrified uh, for having kissed a man. Uh, which, again, is a sign of the times. And um, I remember going to school in the second grade and asking my teacher, Miss Niesmeyer, I was like, hey, can we watch this for movie day? <laughs> and she said, is there anything inappropriate in there? And I was like, I don't think so. My dad lets me watch it. You know, that was, that was kind of my reasoning at the time. <laughs> what a journey. <laughs> uh, uh, as a... Uh, Good time. As a kind of uh, segue, but also like a, another weird story. Uh, so I, as a as a child, I grew up with horror movies. Like I remember distinctly the first one I ever watched. The very first one was Halloween 2. <clears throat> I remember it very vividly. We had gotten it on VHS and my dad was, oh boy, that guy was a piece of work. But 
he would he would allow me to watch horror movies and like it was completely okay the fact that you know you're watching babysitters get brutally murdered like that's completely okay but seeing boobies on the screen god forbid that that happen and so that that was a weird thing for me like i was very sheltered from from sex and stuff like that which uh probably speaks to or like speaks to my sexual repression for such a long time but um, th- that also kind of segues into something that I think it is kind of important and, and is that what can and cannot be covered in games? Uh, is there anything in particular, but like I know Shade had just brought up the, the game. Uh, what was it called again? Uh, Private. Private, yeah. Is, is there anything that you think is off limits for games? I don't know. In this day and age, I I can't really think of anything that should be off limits as far as like are games capable of handling this? Yeah. Are are people probably more likely to handle certain things poorly than they are to handle it in in an elegant or graceful way? Like sex in games is still so weird to me, uh, for that example, because mm. There's totally ways to do, like, sex that works. And then I I think of examples like, let's talk about Cyberpunk 2077. I think those sex scenes are terrible. They're, like, (laughs) who is looking at that and like, oh, hell yeah, they nailed this. They're weird and... Morgan. Yeah, well, okay. You're right. (laughs) You're right. Um, That's why I just send him the the modded one where you have sex with Adam Smasher. Um, (laughs) That's the best sex scene in the game. Like... For the most part, like that stuff that just comes plays off as weird to me. Uh, and maybe that's part of the framing of like holding a sex scene in first person or whatever. I don't know. But it, it just ends up feeling more awkward and stilted. Mm, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think when I think about this topic and in theory, we we cross our fingers and hope this is what's happening. These entities that are kind of governing and deciding what does and doesn't go in a video game, you want to be cognizant of the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I think of, and I'm going to revert back to this example I brought up earlier, a Serbian film uh, that depicts some very, 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 very horrendous aspects about sexuality and sex in general. And I, I don't think that's a film that ever should have been made. Um, because if you ha- if you influence one person to glorify what that what happens in that movie, you've already done a disservice to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think about a video game, I think like any kind of any kind of violent or sexual act just for the sake of doing it to a an egregious degree should be removed from a video game. And I would say the same about a movie. I would say the same about a book. You know, anything that is exploring those deeper recesses of the human mind for the sake of just trying to be edgy or um, what have you is, is terrible. Any way you chalk it up. Uh, That's why, that's why as fragile as it is, society exists um, to be able to collectively exist together and to work towards a, a greater good in theory. And, to try and depict that for shock value, I think is something that honestly, when I was younger, I probably would have been more interested in. I was the type of child 
as much as I hate to admit, it's not child, a young adult, I would, between my 18 and 20 years of age, I would go on sites, <clears throat> excuse me, and watch fucked up versions of porn, like like bad videos, or I, I, I even found myself at one point watching a beheading video, and I was like, you, found you know what? One? I've taken this Ugh. too far. Yeah, I had taken I taken my my edginess too far, you know, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily impressionable. It was impressioned up upon me because uh, thankfully, uh, as of right now, I have not beheaded anybody. But um, <laughs> he is young. Thankfully. thankfully, yeah, right. But I I also think about people who could possibly be more easily impressionable and seeing that in a video game and us especially talking reverting back to the earlier conversation of video games can be more immersive because they are catering to more than just one or two senses they're catering to almost all of your senses simultaneously it's more immersive so to put those deep subjects in there like gratuitous violence like torturing somebody or gratuitous sexual acts like something akin to a serbian film I don't think ha- has a place in a video game. And I think that's why those entities exist in the first place to keep those kind of things out of video games, which honestly I do support. But at the same time, um, we also kind of suffer in some degrees because then we get this censorship that I, I feel like, wait, why would you censor that? You know, hmm. it, it doesn't make sense to me. Arbitrary. But uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think that um, Rich brought up uh, something that I think is, I, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be censored, but it, it is definitely something that is hard to do. And uh, it it it's sex, and I, I hate to invoke the uh, Morgan Barnes game of a lifetime, The Last of Us Part Two, but that sex scene seems so incredibly out of place that I personally if i were neil Druckmann, i would have probably cut that it just is so jarring and i i think that in uh, i don't know that sex is something that should be necessarily pulled out of games but i think that there definitely needs to be a sort of like um uh i think it just speaks to your point that transitions are hard Because the transition from what's happening to that sex scene is abrupt, and I think that's so it's weirdly placed. But that's the same kind of problem you'd have with a film. Is is I think just that like sex, just because they're like we can do this. Like oh look at us, we're doing sex in a game. Like that's the wrong reason to do it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Sex scenes in movies I've always thought were really awkward because they don't really they don't really depict sex in a natural way. Yeah, (laughs) and there's rarely reason for it. Like. I always feel like you're better served and, and this would speak for a movie or a game is like you can kind of gloss over that and just like cut to the pillow talk because that's where any of the exposition yeah. you need is going to happen. A hundred percent agreed. I yeah, I a thousand percent agree with that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think that there is necessarily anything that should not be put in games. I, I think that this to speaks kind of to a point that we made earlier. Uh, like you look at a game like the last of us and the weird, the weird outcry from all those fucking, I hate to deem them right wing because that, I don't think that that's necessarily 
always the case but the people who were like oh my god i don't want to play this because abby's a trans character well first of all fuck you you got it wrong yeah that that (laughs) is the most ridiculous one to me is so many people will be like have you guys actually played this game because one that's not the case (laughs) two even if it was fuck you (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and and like there is a trans character in there and if you didn't want to play the game because there's a trans character i don't like you're, I, you're I the kind problem of question you. yeah like exactly exactly like it fuck you yeah. <laughs> or or even a game like um well what was the uh the don't nod game that came out oh that year? was um tell me why which uh i i like that yeah. game quite a bit one of the one of i haven't played that one, of, one of the main characters of that game is um is trans and actually the 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 story of it is tied a lot to that character transitioning and, and discovering who they, they are is tied into the plot in a, sort of a big way. Um, more so like discovering who... If you, you left when you were young, it's like you're coming back to your hometown as a different person. And what what is that experience like? Um, which is mm. inter- very interesting. Uh, that That's a great game. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah it's... Go ahead. It's... It's difficult when you give the average person the ability to define what isn't where what should and shouldn't be in a video game. Um, we we talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, we talked about uh, Rich and me and a few of the other guys. We talked about how in Mass Effect Two there was a character who was supposed to be a pansexual character. Oh yeah, and there was supposed to be more involvement of LGBTQ plus relationships in Mass Effect Two. But um, Fox News had published some one or two articles basically shitting on the game and shitting on the company for doing something like that, um, accusing them of trying to brainwash and all this shit. And so <laughs> the company dialed back on something. They made the Martians gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I saw Mars Attacks, I didn't see any boy on boy Martian sex. But well, um, you were watching the wrong version. <laughs> oh, Tim Burton's director's cut. I was going to make some like Jack Nicholson try and turn his name into some porn name. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. Nick Mike Jackson. I got nothing. Yeah, you tried. Um, Wells run dry, guys. But yeah, I <laughs> yeah, it's hard to determine who and who who does and who doesn't have the rights to determine that censorship. That's that's such a big thing that I think we're going to fight for as long as humans exist is like these kind of subjects when where where's the defining line for those? And it's I think it's good that we have these kind of conversations because we continue to define that line as society moves um forward with time not necessarily progresses but moves forward with the passing of time Mm -hmm. we continue to kind of shift that line as it pertains to society in the way it exists at that current point in time so that conversation is going to constantly these conversations are going to constantly happen as we continue to shift that line for sure Oh yeah, for sure. I, I uh, you bring up a good point, I, and like as someone who was raised rather religiously, uh, and who for a long time used, I, I I genuinely hate to admit this, but like I would use gay as like a like as a negative term. You know what I mean? And like that was something that I I 
I guess I didn't necessarily know was like a bad thing. And then like, I remember distinctly playing gone home for the first time and having an interaction with a lesbian romance. And it like, I was like, I get it now. I like, I, I, I I understand people around our age in particular had, had this like specific thing. Like for me, it was, it was college and like meeting more people where like, that's just the way, you know, you talked to a certain point and you didn't think anything Mm -hmm. of it because I can genuinely say it doesn't make it right. But when I was saying that shit, when I was a kid, I never meant it in that way. And all it took was yeah, the exactly. experience of saying it to the wrong person and being them like, well, no, that's not how I mean it. And then be like, no, like, it doesn't matter how you meant it. And like, that gives you that kind of wake up moment of like, you know what? They're right. That is like, why the fuck do I talk like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so with that said, I just to kind of, I guess, kind of. Uh, I guess wrap this topic up it I know that we we've kind of said you know there's not too much that we should not put in games but with regards to six days in Fallujah is there such a thing as too soon um I I remember distinctly I didn't really give a shit because I was a kid about 9-11. It was, it was just not something that was really necessarily on my mind or the fact that, you know, I was, what, 12 when 9-11 happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it wasn't something that weighed on me and, and stuff like that. But I'm looking at it now as an adult, and, you know, I think it was like two years after uh, 9-11 happened, there was that movie World Trade Center. And then there was also the, uh, what was the, what the plane movie, uh, United 93. And I remember those coming out and a lot of people being like, this is too, this is too soon. This just happened. And with regards to six days in Fallujah, we're still there. It's not like we ever left. Mm. So is that like, is that something that we need to take into consideration? Like, is there a moment in gaming where too soon is, is a thing? I, I always struggle with, with too soon in general, because sometimes I've one, you, you talk about blues, you talk about, we're still there. And maybe that's more of a reason to have the dialogue about it. But I, I don't know that this game in particular is, is looking to have the dialogue that I think is productive about something yeah. like this. Uh, whereas I think things like maybe United 93, are, are a little bit more in trying trying to tell that story in a way that might be more positive um for sure yeah yeah it, it all depends on how how a thing's depicted i think and what the reception is and for that reason i think time time is almost never a factor when i think about it because if you you handle telling this story badly it, it's gonna be a bad take on it 20 years from now and it's gonna be a bad take on it tomorrow that that won't change how exactly. i think mm-hmm. about it like I'll just in the same way you think about the event less as it passes, you, you think about the 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 piece of media less as, as time passes between it. But that's about it, right? Yeah, I think about this. And for example, if this year Naughty Dog were to release a golfing game, I think that'd be a little bit too soon. <laughs> I would. That sounds great. I would play that game though. I would play that. Yeah. Also. Uh, and the ball is Joel's head, but uh, anyways, um, just just in case nobody got that joke, I wanted to make it. Yeah, to really make it um, in all seriousness. 
I had to make it Wait, abundantly clear what I was referencing there. For like half a second, what? I thought you were talking about the uh, the Tiger Woods stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, Tiger Woods is, is going to be in Mario Golf uh, Super Tour. <laughs> He's going to be in The Last of Us 3, actually. Oh. Um, but anyways, uh, I I do think there is... I do think that there is going to be a certain level of too soon um, for certain people that really care about a subject. For example, if I, I couldn't care less about this franchise, but if I'm trying to be empathetic and understanding, for example, the Fast and the Furious franchise, when uh, uh, Paul, oh, wow. I forget his name. Thank you. Paul Walker. I was, I was like, Paul Rudd, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, when Paul Walker passed away, if they had put his presence in a video game a year later, there would have been a serious what the fuck. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, it would have been like, he's like just walking around in the game like, yeah, we got to race these cars and shit, you know, or whatever. We got to race this submarine, Vin. Come on, Dom. <laughs> Let's have a Corona. That's right. I think that would have been insensitive, and I think that would have been a, like a too soon kind of moment. But in reference to kind of like what you you were talking about with the uh, September 11th and then the World Trade Center, I know that movie was less about glorifying anything. It was less about um, being insensitive. I think what it was, what that movie at the time was trying to do was basically capture that moment in time. So if you know in the future there's like a history teacher. It's like, you want to know kind of a rough dis like feeling of what that was like to live through. Go watch this movie that was made two years afterwards. That kind of depicts this. And I think, I think Rich is absolutely right. And this is where I'm going to end my thought process there. It, it doesn't matter how long you wait to talk about something if you are a shitty storyteller or you do an absolutely terrible job you're very insensitive about it it's not going to matter how long time has passed and the inverse of that i believe is true too to a degree if you are a great storyteller or if you are mindful of what you're trying to depict and how it could affect other people i think you can tell a story in a relatively quick amount of time as long as you are cognizant of everything that and everyone that is involved or that could potentially be bothered by that. And it also is going to depend on how you present that as well um, through advertisement, through discussion, through interview. Um, it's yeah, it's all very important, but I, I don't, I don't firmly believe there is a too soon um, because it's, it's going to change dependent on the person, dependent on the company, dependent on the, um, event being depicted. Totally. Yeah, I I agree with with that sentiment for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no. All good. Um, no, you're good. Don't be sorry. Uh, with that with that said, um, is there anything in particular that uh, I I. I guess we haven't touched on that you guys would like to touch on. I, I think as far as I'm concerned, we, we covered all, all the big points. Um, th there's nothing sticking out to me that I think we, we egregiously skimped over or anything. 
Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we hit all the major points that we need to. I just I hope at the end of the day that this game isn't just a fluff piece for the military. I'm not holding my breath. Oh yeah. Um for sure. On it. Like I'm pretty sure that's what it's gonna be. And I guess when it releases, we'll see what happens from there. Re- we can reunite to discuss it when the game comes out. Right, yeah. I, uh, I In a weird way, I'm kind of looking forward to this game because I do I, I do kind of want to see how they take it. I know that they've taken that. Almost a morbid curiosity. Exactly, exactly. They've taken that weird slant of like, this isn't going to be political, but I kind of want to see it and be like, well... This is political. <laughs> because the immediate reaction to it, well, this isn't going to be political. Well, that's impossible. Now go ahead. <laughs> like, yeah, finish exactly, your thought. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and then Mac descends and he says, well, through God, all things are possible. So first job. And then I do. <laughs> Listen, I'm dug in. I, uh, I, I, I have my stance on things and I will not change my stance regardless of the facts presented before me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, isn't isn't it kind of hilarious that Mac went from this uh, super weird Christian guy to like ultra gay? Like that was <laughs> it's such a great character arc. That has been like any honestly anybody who and and this is completely unrelated to the show what we're talking about. But if anybody craps on that show, they like they have deprived themselves of one of the most. Oh, not one, like five of the most wildly entertaining character arcs I think I've ever experienced. Oh, like, for sure. Especially Max. Well, that is like where they Rob's took Max. Willingness to, like he, he, he said, like he wanted to do the reverse of what you see on most sitcoms. So he, he had Mac get, get fat instead of get more fit as, <laughs> as the show went on. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, distinctly the first time I watched the the season finale of I think it was season thirteen where he has his uh, his dance in front of Frank. Oh, the I, and the, I the cried I moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I openly wept. It just it, it hit me so I, hard. I don't. I know remember why. talking about that with a friend. And be like, it's just such good writing because there's no joke. The episode just ends. It's I get it, <laughs> and it just yeah. ends. Well, and. And you got to give credit to Danny DeVito there because that, like, his, just his look and his simple delivery of that line just shows what a uh, top performer Danny DeVito yeah, is and why absolutely. he's been in the business for as long as he has. That, oh, yeah. Like, the delivery of that is just perfect. It, it tidies up that moment that is completely unexpected perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, well, yeah, that, I mean, we, we covered it. We talked a lot about politics and games and politics in games. Um, so I guess with that said, uh, I, I need to do this real quick. Um, go check out the chomp cast, go check out swordchomp.com. Uh, both of these guys are wonderful. Uh, I especially love Rich's writing on the website. Uh, your reviews are, are seriously, like I, I read them and I'm like, God damn, I really like Rich. <laughs> Thank you. That, that means a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Shay, Shay has been like a, a, a beacon of light. Um, he's, uh, I, I don't want to say my hero, uh, because he's, he's not John Carpenter is my hero, <laughs> but, um, 
<laughs> as he should uh but uh but i love shay uh i especially i especially love uh morgan and josh also they're they're great um so please 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 if you're listening to this show uh you know you're one of the three listeners please go check out the chomp cast they're all wonderful um shay and rich in particular uh go check them out <laughs> we needed the, we needed the morale boost today <laughs> Dude, thanks for having us yeah, on the definitely. show, man. This was really fun. This is, uh, we we don't get to like deep dive on serious topics like this near as much as I'd like to. I'm working on changing so, that. So stay, yeah, so stay thanks tuned. Thanks for having us, man. And yeah, and we're definitely going to be bumping this show, man. Like, absolutely. We will. You, I know you have more than three listeners. Don't be, don't be, <laughs> we're going to bump you right up to five, man. Oh, whoo. <laughs> That's right. Can't wait for that. We're bringing ball. in the big guns. <laughs> But we're not bringing in the white no, certainly not. Oh, please don't. <laughs> Maybe that joke. I shouldn't have said that joke. God damn it. I, I regret. I, as it was coming out of my mouth, I regretted saying that. Uh, we have pretty consistently joked about suicide on our show. So, so you're probably fine. That, that probably isn't too far. <laughs> yeah. You're probably fine. We're probably fine. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I feel. Yeah. I, I feel like a dick right now. <laughs> I, I promise you, you shouldn't. Um, we'll rebound. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, uh, with that said, um, I'm going to plug some of my stuff and then I will uh, open the floor to Please you guys. Um, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bop, Hunting Pixels, and the Culture Bop family of content. Hunting Pixels is available on Twitter at Pixels Hunting and on Instagram at Hunting underscore Pixels CB. Uh, you can find me, Josh, on Twitter at the Bebopman182. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I, I say this every single episode, but I don't really post a whole lot on Twitter. I'm more of like a lurker. I just kind of like follow and retweet and like things. So maybe I'm not the best follow, but if you feel so inclined, go ahead. Uh, I'm on Instagram at bebopman182 and on Twitch. Uh, I have been streaming there pretty regularly for the last uh, like mm, three weeks or so. Uh, you can find me at the underscore bebop man. Uh, Dylan and Austin are not here, but you can still find them on Twitter at OM Dizzy, Instagram at OM Dizzy TV and on Twitch at OM Dizzy. And, uh, Austin is at big Papa place on Twitter, on Instagram at big Papa Stevens underscore also uh, big Papa plays and on Twitch at big Papa plays. So go check those guys out. Um, and then Shay, Rich, do you guys have anything that you would like to plug? You can, you can find me on, on the Twitters where I tweet weird things, um, at the rich Meister zero, but beyond that, you, I think you've already covered where, where we want people to go check out, check out the chomp cast. Um, I work very hard in the editorials over at swordchomp.com, So I would appreciate anyone checking that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah, and you can also check me out at my Zanga account. Uh, my <laughs> handle for that is Blink182 Rocks My Socks. Hit me up on AIM. Which that <laughs> I'm 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 not joking. When I was thinking about plugging myself, I was like, I'm gonna do Zanga. And then suddenly I haven't thought about that my username in about I don't know, fifteen years, suddenly my username just popped into my head. That literally was my username on Zanga. Oh but, wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a different time. Anyways, uh, uh, no, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find me on Twitter as I run the Sword Chomp 
Twitter there. And then you can find me personally on the Instagram. And um, yeah, I'm always willing to talk about games and um, privates, I guess. I guess I just always have that on my mind as well. So if you want to talk about... <laughs> Sexual education video games. I'm Anyone who wants to talk about Qbert, uh, you know, just DM me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, it, it's funny that you brought up Privates again. I had literally never heard the of that game until you brought it up. Like never. It's fun as hell. It's fun as hell. But you know, I don't know if it holds up eleven years later. But it was fun at the time. <laughs> I, I, it's also really funny that you uh, brought up that your name was, what was it? Blink-182. Uh, Blink-182 rocks my socks. Rocks my socks, yeah. Literally all of my, uh, my uh, I have 182 at the end of almost every single one of my usernames everywhere because for the longest time when I was in high school, Blink-182 was my favorite band. Same. So. <laughs> Same. I, I had, uh, I have a lamp. I'm sure I have it somewhere in my parents' uh, garage, a laminated poster of Blink-182 during their self-titled release when they kind of had their, like, pseudo-emo look. Definitely oh, yeah. have that poster somewhere. <laughs> well, you didn't want that to deteriorate. Right. <laughs> uh, True. Well, it's, you know, it really is about all about the small things. Oh, God. I hate... Uh, <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm embarrassed to have you on my show, Shay. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's okay. Well, uh, that was it. I kept you guys for way longer than I initially intended to, so uh, I'll let you guys go. Uh, but it was fun. It's fun, man. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank this you seriously. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, thank you guys. It's. Uh, it has been more than a pleasure. It has been an honor to have you guys. Like, seriously, uh, you guys, I, I, I said it before, but you guys are a huge part of my week, and I, I very much look up to you guys and hope that I can uh, Thank you. even remotely live up to the, to the... Uh, it's a very low bar. You can I, do it. Uh, <laughs> you're a good host, buddy. Yeah, well, don't worry. Well, about thank it. you. You're great. Seriously. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, that was it. That was our show. Um, we will see everyone uh, actually later in the week because this is going to be a special episode. So uh, anyway, yeah, that's it. Bye, everybody.
Thank you. 